we're going to stick with it a little longer. Share with you the heart of the Lord tonight. If you're there, say amen. If you're not, say oh no. I got a few oh no's. We'll give you a little bit of time. We're going to begin in verse 14 of that chapter. We're going to read three short verses. We'll be hitting some other scripture tonight. I just want to share with you what I believe the Lord has revealed to me in, in my prayer time this week. We're just going to share with you what the Lord has shared with us. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 says, For as many... As are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. I, I love that part. He says, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Can you say the children of God with me tonight? The children of God. And if children, then heirs. Say heirs tonight. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also glorified, be also we may be also glorified together. And if children, verse seventeen again, and if children, then heirs and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified. Together, let us pray. God, we come before you. We thank you for your spirit that's in this house. We thank you for your word and its anointing. Father, we ask that it go forth and penetrate hearts and lives, Lord, and let us have ears to receive and hearts to receive what you'd have for us tonight. And we'll give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And all the saints say, Amen. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight, it could, it could somewhat go along with what we talked about Wednesday night of being citizens, children of God, but it, it gets a little deeper than that, and I, I want to give you the title up front, but I want to title this message, Heirs of the Anointing, Heirs of the Anointing. Heirs of the anointing. We know as believers, and I, I see believers throughout the house tonight, that the anointing means there's power. The Bible tells us that there is an anointing that breaks or, in other words, destroys the yokes of bondage. If you're a, a, a bud-bought saint of, of the living God tonight, you know what that anointing feels like because it broke things out and off of your life. 
But the Bible says here in, in verse 14 that if we're led by the Spirit, then we are the sons of God. For we have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption by which we can cry, Abba, Father. He has become our Father. We have become His children. We have become heirs. As verse 17 says, because if you're children, then you are therefore heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The simple definition of heir is a person inheriting and continuing the legacy of a predecessor. An heir is a person inheriting and continuing the legacy of a predecessor. The Bible teaches us through this portion of Scripture that if we're children, we're heirs. You're going to hear me say that a lot tonight. You are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And we know, as we talked about on Wednesday night, that, that the same Spirit that lives in you is the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. It tells us that early on in this chapter. And we, we find all kinds of great nuggets in this chapter. But listen, there is some qualifications it takes to be an heir. There's something that has to take place in our lives to become children and sons and daughters of God. The Bible teaches us that, that when we're saved, it tells us that, behold, all things have become new. That things have turned around. That we're no longer on a path of sin, which the Bible says the wages of sin in Romans says the wages of sin is death. We're no longer going towards death and towards a place called hell, but through Christ and the spirit of adoption, we have been made sons and daughters and our path has been altered. But to be sons and daughters and to be heirs means that we have to turn away from some things. We have to walk away from some relationships and walk away from, from things that keep us distracted and keep us bound. We have to change the way we're living. And, and if you're a blood-bought saint of the living God and you've had an encounter with Christ, you say, listen, I want to. It may be hard, it may be difficult, but I want to pursue Christ. But I want to tell you tonight, in order to be a son and a daughter and, a, and an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm not going to preach anything new to you tonight, but you must first be separated. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians in, in chapter 6 and verse 17, we read it all the time. It says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And we quote that all the time, but so many times we forget to quote the next verse. And what the next verse says, And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. But he says, to be, for me to be your father, and for you to be my son, and for you to be my daughter, we can't have verse 18 without verse 17. You can't just inherit everything without first reading the manual and, and letting that lawyer begin to detail things off to you. And, and this is our book. This is our, our guidance. This is, this is our, our curriculum, if you will. And the Word of God says that you become sons and daughters and I become your father when you separate yourself from the world. When you come out from among them and be separate, no longer clinging or touching the unclean thing, and he said, I will receive you. You will be my father, or I will be your father. You will be my sons 
and daughters. But so often we try to play this game where I'll have a little bit of this and I'll have a little bit of that. And and we taught in Sunday school with the boys and girls today that often we want God to come to us and deal with us on our terms. But God doesn't work that way. He says, listen, I bought all of you with my blood. I bought all of you on Calvary. I bought all of you when I rose from the dead. I purchased your soul. Now when you surrender to me, give me all that you are and all that you have and all that you're clinging to. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church and expect to be a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Listen, there is an anointing and a power that God wants to place on this last day church. I believe that God wants to move. He wants to use us. He wants to speak to us and through us. But so often we have this straddle mentality where I have to to keep one foot and one arm in the church and one foot and one arm in the world and, and I have to be relevant and I have to be this and I have to be that and I have to be everything that the world wants me to be but at the same time try to be everything that God wants me to be and he says no for you to be a son and a daughter and therefore if you're a son and a daughter for you to become an heir of this power of this anointing of everything that I have for you of all the the inheritance I have for you you have to come out from among the world and be ye separate saith the Lord then I will be your father But we try to put a price on the anointing. We try to put a price on the power. We try to put a price on what the Holy Spirit can do in our life. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 8 that as Simon was preaching, that there was there, there, that Peter was preaching, they, they, they used Peter because the other guy in this story, his name's Simon. Simon the sorcerer comes up and he says, Listen, I've seen you lay hands on these men and they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What do I have to do to purchase this power? What do I have to do to purchase this authority? What do I have to do to to buy and and acquire this this rare power that you possess? Peter said unto him, he, he said this in verse 20 and 21. It says, Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that a gift of God may be purchased with money. That thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. So many of us want to come in and listen, I, I, I know how it is young people, I know how it is adults, this, we, we get so overwhelmed with things and, and we try to please everybody and we want to be accepted by everybody. We, we've all went through those stages where we want everybody to say to, to be happy and we want to say yes to everybody and, and we want to do this and do that. But listen, what this verse is saying, what what Peter is saying to Simon the sorcerer is, listen, you're wanting to purchase this power and by you saying, I'm going to be good enough, I'm going to be religious enough, I'm going to be at church every time I can be at church. And listen, there's nothing wrong with being faithful to the house of God, but sitting in a pew does not make you an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Warming a church pew is not your calling. It's not what you're called to do. To come out from among them. Be ye separate. You can't purchase this. We're not good enough. We're not talented enough. 
We can't, we can't come up here and, and preach with all of our enticing words and all these, these fancy sayings and these things that rhyme and, and, and try to persuade you and, and all these things. I can't do this on talent. And by us saying that, maybe if I do this, I'll be in error. Maybe, maybe I'll feel the presence of God if I do that, or if I'm faithful to this, or or if I I shout like that. Maybe if I I do this in my emotions, that something will happen. Peter said to Simon the sorcerer, "Your heart's not in the right place. If you think this power can be purchased or bought, Jesus would tell the Laodicean church." He said, listen, you're not either hot or cold. Become lukewarm. You have all this stuff. He said, but you know what? It makes me want to vomit you out of my mouth. Because you've tried to cling to all this stuff instead of clinging to the God that's given you all this stuff. Church to be an heir of the anointing and to be heirs of the the anointing we have to first become separate pastor says it all the time in this house he says listen there's power in purity what does purity mean? that it's untampered with purity means it's been separated for a certain time and a certain person abstinence is staying away from situations and people that will cause you to lose your purity and God is attracted to the purity of your heart the purity of your intentions but purity has a cost and the cost is separation we can't have power we can't have authority in the day and hour we're living in without separation We have blurred lines far too long. Well, maybe this is okay, and maybe that's okay. And and I know I'm not preaching anything new to you tonight, and, and, and I may sound like a broken record tonight, but listen, we need the anointing and the supernatural moving of God's Spirit in the church today more than ever before. But it's going to take some saints of God that'll say, listen, I'm gonna shut myself in the closet. I'm gonna get alone with God. I'm gonna plead my case before Him. I'm gonna put away the phone. I'm gonna put away the relationships. I'm gonna put away Netflix. I'm going to put away anything that takes away from time with God because listen, my friends need Jesus. My my, my parents need Jesus. My, My brothers, my sisters need Jesus. My school needs Jesus. But there's going to be no power and no authority in my life until I submit myself unto God. I come out from among the world and I allow myself to become an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And by doing so, I've made myself an heir of the anointing an heir of the anointing again an heir is a person that is inheriting and continuing the legacy of a predecessor the legacy of a predecessor being called out and being separated is an easy this Christian walk isn't easy. wasn't meant to be. We're faced with choices. We're faced with difficult choices. We're tempted by all manner of things. But all God wants from us is obedience. 
We read in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 22, Samuel talking to Saul, he said, listen, God made it plain to you what he wanted. He wanted all of the Amalekites destroyed, all. You see, that's all God wants from us is all. He said, all I wanted was it all. I wanted all the flesh to be destroyed in your life, Saul. But I hear the bleeding of sheep in my ears. You've kept the king for yourself. You've kept King Agag for yourself as a trophy. You're wanting to acknowledge and praise yourself. And he said, don't you realize that obedience is better than any sacrifice that you could make with those sheep that you've kept? God's obedience is what he wanted. Sacrifices. Listen, the, the psalmist said in Psalms 51, I, I quote this all the time and you're just going to have to forgive me. But the psalmist David said, listen, if it was sacrifices you wanted, I would have given it. But I've realized, and I'm paraphrasing here, what you've wanted is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. All you wanted was me. You didn't want my religious activity. You didn't want my, 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 my uh, well, God, I, I've helped serve here and I've helped do this. Listen, none of those things are wrong. But if you think you're earning something, just as, as Peter told Simon the sorcerer, your heart's in the wrong place. You should desire to do the things of God, not hope to suck up to God and say, hey, God, why, why don't you endorse me? Why don't you lift me up? That's not what James says. In James chapter 4, he says, If you humble yourself before, before the Lord, that He will lift you up. It takes separation. It takes obedience. God wants obedience, faithfulness, and separation. We find that Jesus, beginning His ministry... He called 12 men out from among the crowd. He said, these are my disciples. And out of those 12, we read in, in many times throughout Scripture, but a prime example is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, listen, there's 11 there. Judas is plotting to kill Jesus. He says, listen, I want eight of you to stay right here, but I want three of you to go a little further. See, these men were called out, set apart for God's use. We find that these men would eventually become the heirs of the Holy Ghost and the fathers of the modern day church. But see, that brings us to something else about becoming heirs to the anointing. Listen, you don't just come to Christ... And piddle paddle around and, and say, listen, I want God, but I don't want to give Him all of me and all these things and that I've spoken about tonight. You, listen, let me put it to you this way. This is the best way to put it. You don't just show up and get anointed. Pastor says it all the time. Preparation precedes blessing. You don't just show up and preach, sing, teach. The house down. You don't just show up and start praying at school. And people start falling out under the, the, the Holy Spirit, under the, 
the, the influence of the Holy Ghost. But I, I realized something that I, I never noticed before. I, I've lived it in my life, but I never really noticed it in the Scripture before. But not only did Jesus call these men out, but He said, listen, for a time, I need you to serve with me and under me. I need you to serve with me and under me. I need you to learn from me. I need you to to learn how to pray. I need you to learn how to operate in obedience and under the unctioning of the Holy Ghost. You see, there are times in our lives where not only being heirs causes us to be separated, but it causes us to come under the umbrella Of another. You with me tonight? The Bible tells us of a a story that we love to read about so often. Elijah and Elisha. Elisha was not one of the sons of the prophets. He wasn't at the school of the prophets. He wasn't the most likely choice. He wasn't the most eligible candidate on paper. But while everyone else was doing everything else, he was alone, set apart in a field. And he was tilling and he was cultivating and, and he was planting. And, and listen, that, that should be how, how we should be as believers. We should cultivate through prayer and reading his word. We should plant things and, and the people we come in contact every day, we should plant things into their life. And, and he was like, listen, I'm just going to be a farmer. I'm going to be faithful to the things of God. I'm set out here. I'm by myself, but it's okay. I, I know that I love God. I know that God's going to use me. I may not know when. I may not know how but he didn't know that that day that a man by the name of Elijah would come upon him throw his mantle on him and he says listen you've been set apart but now God wants you to sit under the umbrella of the anointing and of the the mantle that I carry because one day you will inherit the anointing and the power that God has placed on my life he was set apart But when he came under the umbrella and became a son, that's what he became to Elijah. When Elisha became a son to Elijah, he became an heir of everything that Elijah had. And when those disciples came under the leadership of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he told them in John 14 and 12 that these works that I do, he said, listen, you'll do greater works. Why? Because you will become an heir of the same Spirit that dwells inside of me. You will become an heir of the Holy Ghost and of power. But he first called them out and he said, listen, I need you to to learn. I need you to grow. I need you to become an heir. Your son and a daughter, now I'm molding and I'm making you into an heir. Someone that's going to inherit the anointing on my life. Someone that's going to to receive and and do the work that I'm doing and receive the, the power of the Holy Ghost that God has placed on my life. And people say, well, man, that, that sounds arrogant to say, hey, listen, you need, you need to come out. You need what I have. No, no. What God was doing is he was saying, listen, Elijah, when you're dead and gone, 
I need someone to pick up the mantle and the torch, so to speak, and to burn bright for Israel and say, Thus saith the Lord God. Do you realize that every teacher, young people, do you realize that every teacher was one day a student? Every teacher was once a student. And they learned from that. Those teachers once learned from another teacher. And they, they took them under their wings and they taught them. And they, they cultivated something in their life. And, and they said, listen, one day I want to be like you. And then that they would inherit some. You, you would read stories, and, and my uncle's been a teacher for almost 30 years, and, and he'll tell you a story that, that there, are, there have been students that have come across him and his path and his life teaching that have, have set foot in the same classrooms and taught the same subject that he taught all because he was in their life. They inherited not, not just the same title, that they inherited the same, even the same place where he once stood. Do you realize that God wants you to inherit all that he has for you? And he, he's, he doesn't divvy it up between his children and say, hey, you're more important than the other and, and you're more important than the other. He says, no, I want to give you all of me if you will but give me all of you. If you will come out from among them and separate yourselves from the world and come under the umbrella of leadership that I've put in your life, he says, listen, this anointing and this power that I've placed on the man or woman of God that you're sitting under, one day you will inherit the power and the anointing of God. Church, we need to become heirs of the anointing. We need to become heirs of the anointing. Pastor Ron, could you stand up for me? His father labored for this church for 20 years, many more years of ministry. He had, had, had years previous, he, he preached here a few weeks ago. Pastor Willie Russell founded this church over 40 years ago. He gave 20 years of his life to it and, and many years he served the Lord. But when he got a phone call one day and he said, Dad, I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll come under you, your umbrella of ministry. I'll work with you. Do you realize that he inherited everything? Everything that Willie Russell had planted into this ministry. And do you realize by sitting under the umbrella of Pastor Ron's leadership, you are becoming heirs of what God wants to do in his life. Do you realize every mission trip he takes, every foot he, every footstep he takes on foreign soil has something to do with you? Do you realize that every soul that comes to know Jesus, every minister that goes into the ministry, every praise and worship leader that sings a song from underneath this church and underneath the umbrella, are, are, they are heirs. You can sit down, Pastor. 
But all you have to do is come out and say, listen, I'm willing, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to be cultivated. Not to say that you can't be used here and now. Just saying, God, I'm willing to listen to the man or woman of God that you've placed over me in my life or that I look up to. And that one day, and that day may be today, that day may be tomorrow, that, may, that day may be this week or this month. God will place a mantle on you where you'll walk with such authority and power. And He's wanting to. He's pleading to. This nation is dying for something that's real and alive. But it comes only through Christ. We need to become heirs of the anointing. See, as Elisha would minister unto Elijah, the Bible tells us Elisha was faithful to that man of God. We read as in 2 Kings in chapter 2, tells us at the beginning of that chapter that Elijah is about to be called up. Pastors preached on it many times from this platform. And listen, he turned to Elisha, Elijah did, and he said, listen, I want you to stay here in Gilgal. Elisha said, no way. No way. I'm not just a servant. I'm willing to serve. Absolutely, I'm willing to serve. But listen, you've become more to me than that, Elijah. I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm an heir. You have something in your life that I desire, that I want, that I need, that God wants to use and implant in my life. And, and, and Elijah tried to leave him in Gilgal. And he said, no, no, I'm not leaving you. He goes to Bethel. He tries to leave him in Bethel. Elisha says, there is no way that I'm leading you and leaving you. And listen, I, I know I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. But then he goes on to Jericho. And he says, listen, you need to stay in Jericho. God's calling me on to Jordan. And he says, no. I am faithful to you. I will follow you. I've been separated. I have worked and I have become an heir to what you have on your life. I'm not letting go, as Jacob would say, fighting with the angel in Exodus or in Genesis, excuse me, chapter 33. He says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I'm not leaving you, Elijah, until I leave with what is rightfully mine. What you've promised to me, what God's promised to me. They cross over the river Jordan and we find in, in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 9 that he says, what do you want? And he says, I want to double a portion of the power and the anointing and the authority that God has placed on your life. I want it. I desire it. I want to be used by God. I desire to be used by God. I need to be used by God. My co-worker needs me to be used by God. My family needs me to be an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I need to become an heir of the anointing. Listen, I'm not leaving this house until you bless me. How many of us, myself included, had to ask myself this question? 
God, would I lock myself in a room and say, God, I'm not going to leave here until I know that you've placed a fresh anointing on my life. How many of us would travel? Listen, back in those days, they, Elijah didn't travel by horse. The Bible never said that. Had to walk everywhere they go. It was hard. It was difficult. And Elisha still said, I am not leaving you because I'm an heir of what God has placed on your life. The Bible tells us in that same chapter, 2 Kings chapter 2, came a chariot of fire. Elijah goes up to the heavens and his mantle falls to the ground. Verse 12 tells us Elisha rents his mantle or rinses his clothes. He's grieved. This man he loved and cared about is gone. But he was left with something. The Bible tells us in verse 13 that Elijah's mantle had fell down to the ground. We, we, we've, we've heard this preached. We've, we've heard this talked about many different ways. But do you realize all he had was a clothes on his back that he just tore. All that was left was that mantle. All that was left was what God promised him and what he asked for. All that was left was the authority and the power of the Holy Ghost. All that was left was the anointing. He picked it up. He walked back to that Jordan River. And he did exactly what Elijah did crossing over that river. And he smote the river with that mantle. And he parted the waters. And the 50 prophets on the other side of the river said, The same mantle, the same power, the same authority that rested upon Elijah is now resting on Elisha. What, what were they saying there? Elisha has become an heir to the anointing. They'll come to the music tonight. Jesus tells these disciples, He says, listen, I'm risen from, from the dead, but I, I, I have to go away. I've called you out before, I'm going to call you out again. He says in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, He says, you go tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued and powerful on high. What He was saying is, again, saying, listen, I have an inheritance for you. And I'm going to call you out. And I'm going to ask you to go to an upper room in Jerusalem. And I'm going to ask you to shut yourselves in and wait for the inheritance. The Bible tells us 
Acts chapter 1 and verse 13 that they went to that upper room. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14 says that they continued with one accord in prayer. Ten days. No outside influence. Chris, they were separated from the rest of the world. I just want to throw this in. I feel this in my heart. It's amazing. We we know what happens on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The power of God falls. They get that inheritance. But it's amazing what God can do. shut everything else out all the voices, all the lies all the opinions they said listen we're not going to hear any of that shut the door they were in that upper room one mind one accord Just like Elisha, a few days previous, they had saw someone they looked up to, their father, their spiritual leader, their spiritual covering, ascend into heaven. But he said, listen, if you go to this place and you tear and you wait... There's going to be a mantle that'll fall. And you're going to come out of that upper room, out of that place of separation, out of that place of of prayer, out of that place of fasting. You're going to come out of this this time, this season that I have you in. You're going to come out with anointing and power and authority. But listen, it didn't happen overnight. Elisha didn't just show up. And Elijah said, here you go. Here's my ministry. Here's my power. Here's my authority. No, it's not what happened. The disciples didn't just show up. First day in the upper room and the mantle fell. No. They spent three and a half years setting under the mantle that they were wanting. They said, listen, I'm going to humble myself. I just want God to use me. I just want God to, to work through my life. I just want God to do great things through my life. Not so I could be get the praise or I could be lifted up that my father may be glorified and we know the story Acts chapter 2 there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire and sat upon each of them and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And all I know 
You've heard me say this before, but all I know, Brother Brian, is that somehow that door got open. And they, they began to proclaim the gospel with the, the same authority and anointing that Jesus had proclaimed it himself. And 3,000 souls heard it, stopped what they were doing, and began to confess Jesus as their Savior. Church, I don't know about you, but we need to see souls saved. We need to see lives set free and transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. But in order to see these things come to pass, it's going to take men and women of God that will say, listen, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to become an heir of the anointing. I want to be a teacher, but I know right now I, I have to be a student. God, when the time is right and that anointing comes, I'll be sure to come out of that place I'm in, proclaiming the Word of God, and I'll let your power and your anointing and your spirit do the rest. I tell our young people all the time, this world's coming out of the closet with everything. homosexual I'm bisexual transsexual I'm this, I'm that I, I don't know what I am but I believe in these last days that God's wanting to raise up a church that will come out of the prayer closet and say I know exactly who I am I'm an heir of the anointing of God I'm an heir of His Spirit and of His power. You'll stand with me across this house. I want to leave you with this. To be anointed can be defined like this. To nominate or choose someone as a successor or as a leading candidate for a position. What Jesus did, what Elijah did, and what God is still doing today is He's nominating you. It's what anointed means. When one king anoints another king, what he's saying is, the same power and authority that has been given to me, I now pass on to the one that's coming behind me. And God is nominating each and every one of you tonight to be an heir. That in the spirit that he can have you kneel before him. This is how they would do it in Jewish culture. They'd give him a scepter. Then they would take a horn of oil, which represents that anointing. They would pour it on his head. Do you realize that God wants to give you that scepter of 
of power and authority. And he wants to anoint you. That through Christ that you'll help break yokes and bondages off of people's lives. He says, all I'm waiting for is for you to say, listen, I want to become an heir of that anointing and that power. I want to pass it down to you. I believe in you. I want to trust in you. I want you to be faithful to me as I'm faithful to you. God is willing. But are we wanting? God is willing. But are we wanting? Sick of the the entertainment. We we talked this morning. Said, young people, we're we're so entertainment driven. I want to be entertained, not entertained. I want Jesus to train my spirit to hear, to listen, to obey. I want Him to teach me how to become an heir, an heir of His anointing. Do I have any heirs in the house tonight? Do I have any heirs in the house tonight? Are there any sons and daughters of God in the house that will say, I want all that He has for me? Do you realize again that when you are an heir, you are given, you inherit all that Christ has done for you. You've inherited His joy, His peace, His love, His grace. You've even inherited His kingdom, a place in His kingdom. But Lord, let us become. Let us become what you need us to become. If you would tonight, I ask that you come and you find a place to pray. Ask God to move.